All right, Hebrews chapter 11 tonight, Hebrews chapter number 11, that's where we'll start this evening, and we're going to look at uh, a few other verses tonight, uh, but we'll begin in Hebrews chapter number 11, and uh, for the last several weeks, it just seems like uh, certainly on uh, Wednesday night, but on Sunday night as well, uh, we've been looking once again at the subject of faith. Uh, through the years, I've taught much on faith, I've preached much on faith, uh, but I find that I don't think you can do too much of that. Uh, faith is uh, something that we always need to have, our, have strengthened, uh, live by faith in greater ways, because we know faith is the way that we please God. Uh, faith is the way that we get God's attention. Uh, faith is what God blesses and what God uses. And so uh, we're going to look at faith again this evening, and I'm going to <coughs> read one verse of Scripture uh, to get us started tonight, and then I want us to look at, uh, to me, is a very, uh, it's a very fascinating uh, thought to me as we get through the message. Uh, we'll see a, a theme in the introduction. I'll mention it, and then we'll see it bear out uh, throughout the message tonight. Uh, but it's a, a good reminder for us this evening uh, of the, ma- uh, the subject of faith. Of course, we know Hebrews 11. We spent a year in Hebrews 11 in Sunday school a few years back uh, with uh, dealing with the subject of faith. Uh, but I want us to look at one verse, uh, verse number 32. And what more, or what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, and of Barak, and of Samson, and of Jephthah, of David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets. I want you to notice, after he mentions of David also, and this past Wednesday night I spoke on the faith of David, Tonight, I want you to look at those words, and Samuel. This morning, I brought my text from the book of 1 Samuel, and we uh, talked about how God used Samuel to speak some things to the people of Israel. Uh, But tonight, I want to look a little broader at the life of Samuel and uh, what Samuel, his faith, can instruct us. Um, There's something about, uh, we know living by faith is what pleases God is what gets God's attention. We know that. It's a little bit hard to live, but we have the knowledge of that. The Bible reminds us that whatever is not of faith is sin. So in the mind of God, faith is key. Faith is vital. Faith is how we please Him. Faith is how we honor Him. Faith is what moves the God of the heavens. But I want us to think about this tonight. Your faith can be the example to someone else who needs faith. Your faith can be the standard, if you will, in the life of someone else. I don't know about you, but there's times in my life when I face things and I look at my faith and I, and I just don't think, I, don't, I just don't know how I'm going to get through this. And for all honest tonight, can we not say, whether you're watching at home or whether uh, you're in the building tonight, can we, can we not all be honest and say there are times when our faith isn't as strong as it needs to be? It's not what it should be. Now, there's even times when I look back and I, I'll use the terminology, beat myself up because, you know, I should have known better. I should have had more faith. But I, want, I say all that to say this, to somebody you know, you're the greatest example of faith they have. Somebody lives in your home, somebody that works with you, uh, a distant family member, and your faith can be an example. I want to use the faith of Samuel, the life of Samuel tonight, to speak on this subject. Faith to be an example of faith. Faith to be an example of faith. Of faith. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, I pray tonight that <laughs> with the time we have, that uh, the Holy Spirit of God will uh, remind us of some things. May we realize and be reminded tonight of the importance of faith. Now, faith moves your heart. Faith results in blessings. Faith results in perseverance. Uh, faith is the key. And Father, may we be reminded tonight, may we look at it a little bit differently through the life of Samuel. May we look at it in the way that we are challenged to live by faith so that we can be an example of faith. Father, I pray that you'll use the message tonight, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. Certainly, we know a little bit, know some things about Samuel. We know Samuel was a great man of faith. What we're going to be reminded of tonight is he was just mentioned in, almost in passing uh, in verse number 32, and the, the chapter spends much time on Moses and Abraham and, and others, and even Rahab the harlot is mentioned there, and then gets toward the end of the chapter, and then it's just, oh, wait, by the way, these men, I don't have enough time to expound on it, uh, but these are mentioned too. Well, that intrigues me, and I, I want to take upon myself to, if the Spirit of God chose not to document all the reasons here, uh, let's take a little bit broader look at why Samuel would be mentioned when we're looking at the context of great faith. And just to be mentioned in the neighborhood, in the category, with the names that are listed in this chapter would be a great honor. But sadly, we often just look at the birth of Samuel and his call. But God considered the life of Samuel as an example of faith. Listen to this. He was not just enshrined in Hebrews 11, the great hall of faith, but the influence of his life of faith covers the Old and the New Testament. He's mentioned several times in different passages of Scripture, and we're going to reference those and look at those tonight. Let's be honest. I know that as I was thinking of this, and I pinned that little statement out, I was thinking, yes, we know all about Hannah and her pleading with God for that child and how God heard her and heard her faith and request and blessed it and gave Samuel. It's a well-known Bible story of how when Samuel was a child and the voice of God called out to him in the night, and he rushed into Eli and said, yes, what do you, what would you, what would you, what do you want with me? He said, I never called you. And this happened a couple of times, and then finally Eli gives him the instructions and said, is God talking to you? Is God calling you? And when you hear the voice again, just answer. That's a very familiar story. What a great story. What, what, a, what, a, what a start to the individual's life. Sprinkled throughout the life of David and Saul is the man Samuel. But David, King David, in the magnitude of his life on the pages of Scripture even though it's the book of 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel, the character of Saul and David and the first kings overshadows the prophet of God. But make no mistake about it, Samuel was a man of great faith. We know this because it took faith as a child to say, here am I. We know this because we know enough about him that that we know that he had to have faith to do the things that God required of him to do. We know he was a great man of faith because he's mentioned in this chapter on faith. But I want us to look at a little more specifics of how God used him as an example of faith. Think about this. Every character in Scripture is an example to you and I. Every name that is mentioned is an example to you and I. Paul, the Apostle Paul, is an example to you and I. But so is Demas, who, who, who loved this present world and forsake God. One is an example of what we want to strive to be. The other is an example of what not to be. But certainly in the context of Hebrews 11, we know that he is an example of faith. We read this and, oh, if we could just have the faith of these mentioned, the faith of Samuel. But it's, a, it's an entirely different matter when God says, throughout the period of history of Scripture, I'm going to use Samuel as an example of faith. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing for others to be able to point to your faith and say, that's a faith to emulate that's a faith to model. Wouldn't it be wonderful if the children 
in every home uh, represented in our church could look to dad and look to mom and say, that's the kind of faith that I want to have? Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing for those that sit in Sunday school classes to look at their Sunday school teacher and say, that's the kind of faith that I'd like to have? But it takes faith to have faith enough to be an example of faith. And God used Samuel as an example. Hebrews merely mentions his name. We're going to look at some other passages tonight that we're going to see. And God puts in Hebrews 11 the mention of his name as an example of you and I in the area of faith. Let me say, first of all, number one, there's a faith to call on God. I'll be reading from Psalms 99.6, and I obviously have these marked in my Bible, and so I'll get there before you will. <coughs> but tonight, I will read them when I get there, but it'll be Psalms 99, verse number 6. And let me say that again. He had faith to call. What kind of faith did Samuel have that God said, I'm going to use Samuel as an example through generations of faith? I'm going to use, this is so intriguing and important to me because I read biographies like the biography of Hudson Taylor. And his faith inspires me to have more faith. I read the biography of a man like George Mueller. His faith inspires me to have more faith. I, read, I, I, I think back on the lives and even read biographies of of a generation of preachers before who have now gone on to glory. Their faith and the stories of their faith inspires me. But we look at a man like Samuel, and it wasn't just the people who lived in his day. Just as we read this morning a story about Samuel and speaking to the people, we know the story of Samuel, how he's going to anoint Saul as king and then anoint David as king. He had a lot of faith in the people of that time, probably acknowledged that, probably realized it. And I'm certain, as it is today, in similar situations, I'm certain there are parents that would point to their children and say, you need to have faith like Samuel has faith. You need to believe in God like Samuel believes in God. You need to serve God like Samuel believes in God. But God went beyond that, and from his generation, the day he lived in, all the way to Pentecost, he used him as an example in front of his people. We see in Psalms 99, verse 6, Moses and Aaron among his priests and Samuel among them that call upon his name, they called upon the Lord and he answered them. He had the faith to call on God. Do you realize the privilege that we have of calling on God? How many of you are saved tonight? And certainly I can see those in the building. And those of you at home, how many of you are saved tonight? Hey, we're saved. We're on our way to heaven. If you're saved tonight, you have the Spirit of God that lives within you. Because that through the Lord Jesus Christ and His shed blood, His applied blood, we have access to the throne of God. It's a privilege that not just, just one man has, and we're reminded that we don't have to have a mediator to go to God for us. We don't have to have a quote-unquote holy man to go to God for us. Every one of us enjoys the right and privilege to call on the name of God. But I would dare say that the majority of Christians lack in that area. Let's be honest tonight, and let's let the Spirit of God Convict us where we need to be convicted. When you have a need, is God the first person you call on? You say, well, I, well he, he, no, even before you call on your own logic, is he the first person you call on? I'm afraid there's a lot of Christians just don't have enough faith to even call on God. Say, Pastor, this just seems hard to believe. Oh, search your own heart. Search your own life. Moses and Aaron, the priests were referenced, and Samuel among them that call upon his name, they called upon the Lord, and he answered them. Just as I preached this morning, and the book of 1 Samuel starts out with some very dark times in the period of God's people. Very dark times. And that is when God brings Samuel on the scene. 
And it was during those dark times that Samuel called on God. You say, well, pastor, of course, when it gets dark times, we call on God. You would think that that is always true. But how many times do we as Christians, when we face some dark times, instead of getting on our knees and calling on God, we just throw up our hands? Let me put this in further context tonight. It was calling upon God while he continued to obey God. In the dark times, Samuel still obeyed God. When that first king, Saul, rebelled against God, Samuel still obeyed God. In the midst of of, of horrible times in the nation of God's people. You had a man who continued to have the faith in spite of the fact that there's nothing optimistic going on, that in spite of the fact that the presence of God has been gone for decades, in spite of the fact that the king that they wanted, that they should have never had, they should have stayed, uh, let God lead them, in spite of all of those things that seem to just crumble around God's people, you find a light, you find Samuel, who continued to have the faith when others fell. Read the account of Samuel grieving over Saul in his fall and grieving over Saul and the fact that God would reject him and take the kingdom away from him. But yet when God said, get up, Samuel, go find another, you find Samuel continuing on and by faith he believed that God would raise up another man. It's key that we have the faith to call on God and continue to obey. There's, a, there's many times where Christians say, well, I, it, there's dark times, there's, there's serious times. I'm going to call on God. I'm just going to sit back and wait on Him to do everything that needs to be done. No, we're to continue to obey. Do you realize there was a, there was, there, there was a time in this country when cities shut down not because of health orders, but because the preacher came to town? Do you realize there were times in our nation when lies weren't peddled and propaganda peddled on the pages of our newspapers? That on the front page was a printed sermon of a preacher? Can you imagine? I've often thought about uh, all those times, and I've often thought about uh, the, the, what people call the glory days of, of fundamentalism. Boy, it just seems like if everything's more friendly towards Christians and more friendly towards the things of God, and, and so many have, have drifted today and watered everything down, if you're going to hold true to the things of God, it, 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 you're, you're working in an uphill, uphill way. But friend, it doesn't matter whether we call it easy times or hard times, we're still to call on God and obey. He had the faith to continue, call on him, and obey. Obedience and prayer, you cannot have faith without it. You got to have it. That's why if a child of God, a Christian, is living contrary to this book, they're not a person of faith. Because faith is obedience. Well, I just believe God. No, you have to live that you're not living by your faith. It takes, it takes faith to obey. Some of the commands in this book, logically, by man's logic, do not make sense. So what do we have to have in order to obey the commands? Faith. But number one, he had faith to call on God. Number two. I read from Jeremiah 15, 1. He had faith to intercede for others. This passage of Scripture and this reference was so enlightening, so convicting. Really blessed my heart, if it's okay to get blessed by your own Bible study. We find in Jeremiah 15, Jeremiah, if you know anything about the book of Jeremiah, you think Samuel had it bad. You think Samuel was the, the mouthpiece of God in a tumultuous time. 
Jeremiah comes on the scene, and he's got it more difficult than Samuel had. God, it reminds Jeremiah that he's called him to ministry, that this is what he's going to do. And by the way, Jeremiah, just get ready. Nobody's going to listen to you. Matter of fact, the other pastors, they're going to continually work against you. And as a matter of fact, when you preach to the people, I want you to preach to those pastors as well and let them know that they are the problem with this nation. He wasn't preaching at the local ministerial association. He wasn't at the preacher's fellowship as the honored guest. Maybe he came one time, and that was the only time he was there. Think about how difficult it must have been for Jeremiah to fulfill the command that God had placed on him. He must live by faith, not by emotion. Live by faith, not by result, because God told him you'd have no results. But I'm going to have a voice in this period of time where no man will be able to say, God did not warn them. God did not speak to them. God did not call them back to him. That is the role that you are going to fulfill You had to have faith to do that. If you know the life of Jeremiah, there was a time when he said, I ain't doing it no more. But he never could get away from what God had called him to do. But I want you to notice something. Jeremiah gets tired of the people. God gets tired of the people. We come to Jeremiah chapter 15, verse number 1. Then said the Lord unto me, Though Moses and Samuel stood before me, yet my mind cannot be toward this people. Cast them out of my sight and let me go forth. Now shall come to pass, if they say unto thee, Whither shall we go forth? Then thou shalt tell them, Thus saith the Lord, Such as are for death to death, and such as are for a sword to the sword, and such we are for the famine to the famine, and such as are for the captivity to the captivity. God is going to chastise his people. And he makes reference to times past when Moses, I've preached on it, Moses stood before God in between God and the people and pled on their behalf. But I never saw this before until I started doing this study. He references Moses. We're all aware of Moses. We could, take the, we could turn to Scripture and we're reminded of Moses being the one who stands before the people. What a great man Moses was. What a great leader Moses was. God blessed Moses when he wouldn't have blessed the people and God fulfilled his promises because of Moses and he was going to wipe out the people and start all over again. But Moses stood on behalf of the people and said, God, take me instead of them. Judge me instead of them. Wow. What a leader. But God didn't just say, though Moses stood before me. He said, though Moses and Samuel stood before me. When God uses an example of a man that stood between his wrath and the people. He used two names in Jeremiah chapter 15. Moses, who is obvious, and Samuel, who's not quite as obvious. They had the faith to intercede on behalf of others. They were intercessors between God and man. I'll not speak much about Moses because we're on the faith of Samuel tonight, but you can think of the life of Moses and the great things he accomplished. But the argument can be made, the greatest thing he did was he interceded on behalf of the people to God. 
Samuel, I got to be honest with you. When I think of Samuel, that Old Testament prophet, that one who ended the period of the judges and now into the kings and the history of the nation of Israel, the first thing that comes to my mind is not the fact that he was an intercessor for the people. What comes to my mind is the childhood stories about Samuel. What comes to my mind is him anointing the king. That's what comes to my mind, but I gotta, I've got to be honest with you. When you look at this tonight, I'm not so certain. While you cannot minimize anything God had Samuel do, I'm not so certain that interceding on behalf of the people when God is angry at the people and God is going to judge the people is not the greatest thing that took place in the life of Samuel. And friend, I, will, I, I want to accomplish a lot for God. I want you to accomplish a lot for God. And that's why as your pastor, I'm going to lead you where I can lead you. And I'm going to push you and nudge you in your Christian life and get closer to God and stay away from the things of this world because I want you to do great things for God. I want you to have victories in your life. But friend, is there not a greater thing than you and I can do than to intercede before God on behalf of others? I believe we all have that opportunity and responsibility to intercede. And I've preached on this before. We can complain about what is going on in our nation, and, and we can talk about how God is going to judge and condemn all that takes place and the wickedness and the abominations that are done before Him and, and, and all of the, the, the wicked things that our nation is responsible for. But could there not be some who would stand in between God and His anger and His judgment and the people, and plead on their behalf, God, would you grant a little mercy? God, would you give a little bit more time? We find the faith of Samuel. It was more than just that child's faith who heard that voice in the middle of the night and said, here am I. It was the faith of a man who when God wanted to judge the people, he had faith enough to believe that he could move the heart of God, faith enough to believe that he could stand on behalf of others. And he interceded for other people. We should intercede on behalf of those that are lost. I believe every Christian ought to have a prayer list. Have some things you pray for. Not just a mental prayer list. I think we all have that. But I believe we ought to have a list of things we pray for. I believe included in that prayer list and those things we ought to pray for. I believe that there ought to be a list of people we know that are lost. And while we're trying to be a witness and find the opportunity to give the gospel, we ought to be praying for God to intercede and for God to soften the heart and for God to make a way to get them before a clear presentation of the gospel. We look at those, and we say we want to emulate those who do big things for God. And Oh, as, as a pastor, and those of you that are in the service or maybe listening uh, this evening, and you have a desire to serve God in the ministry, and, and you feel like you have a call to preach on your life, and you say, oh, I want to do big things, and I want to build a big church, and I want to, I want to build a big ministry. That's not the greatest thing you can do. Because we look at the example of Samuel. And when God... Speaking to his prophet Jeremiah, he said, I remember when Moses stood before me in Samuel. And to the prophet of God, Samuel was used as an example of faith in interceding. We should intercede for those who are in sin. We ought to pray for those that are away from God. The prodigal, as they're often referred to. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preach the truth. I, I'm not going to acquiesce or be held hostage by anybody's rebellion. Anybody thumbing their nose at God. And I'll be the one, if necessary, as Paul refers to in the New Testament, that because I tell you the truth, I become your enemy. But make no mistake about it. Those that are away from God, they need some to intercede on their behalf 
before God. And oh, and God used Samuel. And the example of Samuel in that period of time with those rebellious people. And even to the fact that they go to Samuel and they say, we're tired of God ruling over us. Give us a king. And the scripture tells us it angered God. But you have a man who intercedes on their behalf. We should intercede for those who are broken. You know, that's a little different than just being sympathetic. Sin will break a person's life. Some people are broken by the actions of others. Some people are just broken because life. And sometimes we look at those situations, we're like, oh, that's too bad. But how about let's grow in our faith enough to where we aren't just acknowledging the existence of a broken life. But the, the faith in our life takes it to the fact that I believe that God can change that situation. I believe that God can intercede where man cannot. I believe that God can heal those wounds. I believe that God can make a difference and I wonder tonight as a challenge to all of us is the reason we don't intercede on behalf of the lost. Do we not believe that God can move with His Spirit in their heart? Is the reason why that we don't intercede on behalf of those who are away from God? Do we not believe that prodigals can come back to Him? Is the reason we don't intercede on behalf of those who are broken? Do we not believe that God can heal them? God can, can put their life together? We should be the ones who intercede on behalf of those who have needs. I'm thankful for all who would let me know the needs of our people. It's part of the responsibility of my staff if one of you has a need there to let me know about it. And so many are so good at letting the right people know. This, I just want to let you know, Pastor, this has a need. But could we not grow in our faith enough to say, Pastor, I'm letting you know we've already etched it on the bottom of our prayer list that God would meet the need in the life of that person? Friend, this is not casual faith. This is not casual Christianity. This is not fly by night. I'm going to just, just wherever I land, this is on purpose, calculated. I want my faith in my God to be so evident that I am going to intercede on behalf of others. And yes, we find the faith of that little child that says, here am I. We'll preach that story in a children's church or we'll teach it in a little Sunday school class and say, children, be like Samuel when he was a boy. And you hear the voice of God, you'd be willing to give your life to God. But hey, Samuel's all grown up now. And can we not, as children of God, look at the life of Samuel and say, look at Samuel. He interceded on behalf of others. He interceded on behalf of God's people. And could we not say, that's the faith I want. That's the faith I want to emulate. His faith of interceding on behalf of others is an example to you and I. Number three. Think of faith to be an example of faith. He had the faith to preach Jesus. Acts chapter number 3 is where I'll read in just a moment. He had the faith to preach Jesus. Of course, we know the beginning of Acts is very key in the history of the church. Acts chapter number 1 begins with the ascension of Christ in the heaven, that commission he gives to the church. We find the church going in the upper room and praying for the Spirit of God to come upon them. In chapter number 2, we find Pentecost, Peter preaching at Pentecost. We come to chapter number 3 in verse 24. We find yet again a reference to the Old Testament prophet Samuel. Yet again, we find Samuel as an example. Yea, and all the prophets from Samuel... And those that follow after as many as have spoken have likewise foretold of these days. What is he speaking about? 
speaking about the coming of the Messiah. Peter is preaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter is pleading with the others to preach Christ. And he is looking back at now that Christ has come. He was crucified, buried, rose again, now ascended up to heaven. And he is preaching for others to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And they're going to go out into the world and they're going to preach Christ. And many are going to receive Christ as their personal Savior. Churches are going to be planted and churches are going to be started. And in that plea to God's church, he references Samuel who looked forward to the Messiah coming, who believed that the Lamb of God would come, who believed that the one would take away the sins of the world would come. And here, way back, a long time ago, Samuel is preaching of a coming Savior. And Peter references that and is recorded under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts during this critical time in the advancement of the gospel. See, Peter had faith, didn't he? Oh, Peter was a flawed man. But Peter had faith. I'm certain Peter's faith was strengthened by the fact that he had seen Christ. That he had heard him with his own ears. Peter had seen the wounds in his hands. Remember, I preached on it recently. Peter went to that empty tomb and saw that he wasn't there. Peter was in the upper room with those disciples when no creaking of the hinges was heard. No light from the outside was cast on the inside because a door opened, and there in the midst of them was Christ. Peter was present just a few chapters earlier when Christ ascended into heaven. No doubt Peter had faith. Peter had seen the Messiah. Peter had seen Christ. Samuel never saw him. But Samuel preached that he's coming. Samuel reminded the people that God is going to send the Messiah, the one who's going to take away the sins of the world. And when Peter is urging that early church to have faith, you people, as he's preaching to them, you haven't seen him as I had the privilege to see him. You didn't, weren't able to see the wounds in his hands like I saw the wounds in his hands. You didn't get to travel with him and see the miracles. You didn't see the empty tomb where his body once lay. You didn't, you didn't see all of that. But you can still preach Christ. And let me remind you of an example of a man who had faith to do so, who never saw him, but had faith enough to believe he was coming. Let me remind you of the prophets, but namely Samuel. And friend, you and I can draw from that example tonight. I've never seen the wounds of our Savior, but one day I will. I've never heard His voice, but one day I will. I've never been in His, his physical presence, but one day I will. I've never been, been, seen His glory in all of its fullness, but one day I will. And friend, if I can look back to those who have gone before, and they had faith enough to believe that He's coming, He's coming, He's coming. You and I can have faith today as part of God's church to say, I may have never seen those wounds, but let me tell you something. There's others who saw them. There's others who had the faith to do it. And I can emulate that faith and know that the time is coming when he will return again. He had the faith to preach Jesus. And then fourthly and finally, he had the faith to accept God's will. This is also another fascinating thing about the life of Samuel. Acts 13. We find yet in the book of Acts, we find a, another reference to Samuel. We find Paul, and of course, filled with the Holy Ghost at this time, preaching. And in verse number 20, we find reference to this 
pivotal history in the nation of Israel. And after that, he gave unto them judges about the space of 450 years until Samuel the prophet. And afterward, they desired a king. This story plays out, I believe it's 1 Samuel chapter number 9 or number 8. When the people, and there's some things that took place, and as the people come to Samuel, and they say, we demand a king. And Samuel goes to God, as was his habit, and God says, Samuel, and I'm paraphrasing and shortening it tonight, he says, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me. Give them a king. And that would end one period of history for God's people. I want you to think about this for just a moment. And I'm going to teach on this later. But in reality, what this was, was a rejection of Samuel. Ultimately, a rejection of God. But no doubt, Samuel had respect with the people. No doubt, Samuel had influence with the people. Up to this point, Samuel had been the only voice piece of God. Samuel had been faithful to fulfill his responsibilities. He had been faithful to do that which God had called him to do. And now God is allowing something else to take place. Samuel will close a period of time. With that first king, a new period of time will be upon God's people. There's a lot that you and I can think about when we think about this, but Samuel accepted the will of God. No longer would the people look to Samuel, but they'd look to a different man. No, and Samuel did not take the opportunity to say, well, why don't I become king? He was willing to accept the will of God in his life And once again, following the direction of God, he anoints Saul as king. We know pretty much the story of Saul, and Saul got too full of himself. But yet that faithful man of God, with boldness, will walk into the presence of that first king and declare unto him that God had taken away the kingdom, and God had rejected him. And when thou wast little in thine own sight, again Samuel was faithful, had faith to do the will of God. And I referenced it a little earlier in how Samuel wept and grieved over Saul. And it took him a little time to accept that this was the verdict of God, and this is what was going to take place And God says, Samuel, get up, get up, there's another king. And Samuel did not take more authority on himself. Samuel anointed a little shepherd lad. Samuel anointed the one, he he overlooked him as everyone did, but he went from the, 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 the mighty King Saul who was head and shoulders above everyone. Now the people wanted a king just as the pagan nation, so now God sends him to a shepherd boy who he anoints as king. Samuel accepted the will of God. Samuel accepted the role that God wanted him to play. Don't miss this. I appreciate the spirit of our membership and the things they want to do for God. Can I just say this? It takes a lot of faith to accept what God wants for your life instead of what you want for your life. I'm not talking about the world or pleasing God. I'm talking about sometimes you serve God in one role, and He sees fit to change it. You have some priority, and He takes that priority away. 
But what I'm certain Samuel was not aware of, that when he went to that hillside, and that little shepherd boy, he anointed him at the house of Jesse. He knew that this was the man God wanted. But how could anyone know that boy with the stench of sheep on him, God one day would declare, he's a man after my own heart. He's the man that will establish my kingdom. And it'll be from the house of David. The Messiah is going to come. Because Samuel had faith to accept God's will. He had faith to believe that God knew more about the situation than he did. Sometimes God moves in a way we don't understand. But is there any doubt in our minds after with the time we had this evening looking at the life of Samuel? And while Hebrews chapter 11, there's so much in there. There's so many people in there. And of course, I'm paraphrasing. The author writes, says, oh, by the way, I don't have time to talk about all these others, but I can't close the chapter without mentioning Samuel. But then we've looked at several times through the Bible where not just in the life, the biography, if you will, of Samuel, but we look beyond his life. We're not another man as we see in the book of Acts, when Peter references him, but you see God himself saying, here's an example of faith. And when God, Jeremiah was a greatly used man of God, he was God's man. And God used Samuel as an example to that man. What a faith. Faith to be an example of faith. I don't know why God allows everything to take place in your life that he allows. But I do believe it's the will of God for you to keep your faith in God. The simple answer is we don't like it, but the simple answer is just have faith in God. Just believe that God knows. Just believe that he's got a plan. Just believe that like, like in the life of Joseph, he'll use that which was evil for good. Just like in this situation, when the people came to Samuel and said, we don't want your rule anymore. We don't want the rule of the, the, the priest. We want a king like everybody else. And God said, nope, I, they've rejected me. I'm going to give it to them. But the kingdom would be set up. So that out of the kingdom of David, the prophecies would be fulfilled. We've got to have faith in God. Because you don't know to whom your faith can be an example of faith. As a Christian, it's my responsibility to live a life of faith. And if it's certainly true that as a child of God, I can't please him without faith. As a pastor, I can't please him without faith. I want to be the kind of pastor who parents can point their kids to and say, well, your pastor has faith. You have that kind of faith. But I say that to only say this. There's somebody you know that will never know me They need somebody's faith to be an example of faith. It'll be a goal of all of ours to be a people of faith, a person of faith, to be an example. Wow, their faith. Samuel was certainly a great man. But I don't know, from my perspective, and maybe you'd agree with me, maybe you ever thought about this, He's never the main character in books that even in the Bible that bear his name. He's never even the main character. But yet, when God's faithful man Jeremiah 
is dealing with all of those rebellious people. He's having to deal with the profane. He's having to deal with those rebellious pastors. God's going to throw an example in front of them. He says, Moses and Samuel. The faith that Samuel lived with was never lost on God. Because faith moves the heart of God. Faith pleases God. I wonder. I wonder. Whose faith in here watching is the kind of faith somebody else can look to? Pastor, what do you mean by that? God's never going to reference us in Scripture. Oh, no, but I believe God does do this. There's a Christian who's going through a valley, and they're struggling. And just in, without even thinking about it, they, their heart goes out, or they, they may verbalize the words, they may just thank them, and they may say, God, I can't do it. God, I'm through. And the Spirit of God brings a name to mind of a fellow brother and sister in Christ who's recently walked through a valley. And they didn't quit on God. Matter of fact, they may have tried to resign, but God was just so good, and God kept making the way, and God kept providing, and God kept doing miracles, and they just kept moving forward, and they didn't know how tomorrow was going to be. They just knew today. They had to finish today. And God brings, the Spirit of God will bring that person's example of the mind to somebody else. I think we'd be amazed if we realized how often that happened. Faith, to have a faith, that's an example. Father, I pray tonight that 